kept asking me questions and I like, it's just weird to me. Like, why are you asking me personal questions? But he asked me what I was doing and where I was going. And I told him and he was like, he asked me one question after that, that changed everything. And it was just like, well, do you love it? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like nobody had ever asked me that before. What's up, you guys, and welcome to episode number four of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs entrepreneurs, and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. I'm your host, Mick Koshovsky, and I'm excited for today's episode uh, because it's with somebody very special. Uh, today's episode is an interview with Heath Armstrong, and Heath is somebody who has lived a lot of different lives. He's somebody who has come from really a very kind of like rough background and has come to now have a really exciting company uh, that is doing a lot of great things out there and helping people out um, and doing all of this remotely. So um, I'm really excited for you guys to listen in on this conversation with Heath Armstrong. And before we dive into the interview, I just want to say uh, thank you for listening in and tuning into uh, episode number four. And also, if you haven't left a review yet on the podcast, please take a take a moment and do so. Uh, honest reviews really help out the show uh, to find more ears. And yeah. I would just really appreciate it if you can take a moment after this interview or right now if you have the chance to pause to leave a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you uh, are enjoying this podcast. So uh, without any further ado, uh, let's get into this episode with Heath Armstrong. Have all the time in the world. Well, I can't think of a better way to start this than uh, with that beautiful song. Uh, Heath, welcome to the show, man. Uh, Thanks so much for doing this. I didn't realize that you were recording my vocal talents over here. Dude, one thing that I've learned about you that I feel like there's no better way to start with this is that you're like actually like an awesome rapper. <laughs> God. <laughs> I am, you know, I was just on uh I was on this like a Forbes sponsored show the other day and oh, really? she asked me what what something was that people most people didn't know about me but they would be surprised. <laughs> and I just told her I was just just the most phenomenal gangster rapper, possibly all time, and yeah, it was just kind of like a silence. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't respond to that. <laughs> no, she did, but she she knew a little bit. But like I can imagine, there was there was definitely you know definitely an awkward silence there. Yeah, as <laughs> usual, if you bring that up around anybody, Mitko. So thanks. I'll own it. I'll own it, man. It's a birth birth talent, dude. You sound. You know, if anybody street, out there. If anybody out there knows uh what's his name? Uh not not Afro Man. What's the guy that you sound like? I got, I'm spacing out on his name. Well, right now. I'm it, you're thinking of Atmosphere and I'm atmosphere, very thankful you that you give me that compliment because I yeah, love I him and like I'm atmosphere. obviously a fanboy. I don't think I can hold a candle to his talent, but he is phenomenal. Phenomenal dude. He's quite I wrote this insane <clears throat> Did you hear that my voice uh my voice cracked there. I, dude, I wrote this. I channeled. I, mean, I must repeat this. I channeled this really, really, really intense rhyme the other day. And maybe I'll read it to you because it's not been shared publicly yet. You haven't sent it out on a Instagram stories yet? No, no. This one's like my friend Holly, who runs Lighthouse Collective. She's a nomad. Incredible. 
met her in Nicaragua last year, was just with her in Bali. She actually just got a pro master, which I'm really jealous about. She was like, Hey man. And she's like, like consciously we're connected like twin flames and we can sort of read each other's minds and we're always thinking. And like, even if we're not near each other, we have like the same thought processes and we relate. It's, it's some of that stuff that like freaks you out at first, but then it becomes really cool. She was like, I'm going to, I need you to write a poem for the lighthouse collective events. And I need it to like be about like shining in light and like facing the darkness and all this stuff. I was like, yeah, I don't really do it based off criteria. Kind of just like write whatever comes through my channel. If I'm in the muse, you know, and she was like, yeah, but I'm going to do something and then it's going to come through. So just, just, just bear with me here. And then like 10 minutes later, I just get this like surge, like, Oh, I got to write this down. And this came through. And then it really freaked me out because I sent it to her and she was like, yes, it's exactly what I needed. And I was like, what? (laughs) fuck but listen to this this will be really quick but let's do it <laughs> of cosmos and stardust and frequency two i'm not gonna rap i'm not gonna rap it like a game i think you should wrap it based for that but uh, well uh, well all right no i can't i don't know if i know the <laughs> rhyme schemes yet. let me just go with it all right go, go. of cosmos and stardust and frequency two the divine ascension is calling for you of motion and intimacy, tangling in love. You will heal the darkness with light from above. You'll suffer in panic and taste of tears. But in this flood, you'll drown out the fears as evil attacks and traps you in bars. Within your scars, you'll multiply stars that heat up the heavens and kiss the moons. You'll flare as the sun and drown out the gloom to resurrect life from every tomb, to interject magic in every womb, to breathe protection throughout the earth, to reflect, project, and manifest birth of candles that channel the brightest of loves to dismantle the crows with the whitest of doves to transform the shoves into oceans of hugs to reform your heart with angels blood to shed your skin and sprout your rings to rinse your sin in alchemy sowing seeds of peace in every fight forgiving the wrong in every right in this family of light there is only one rule to be magnetically authentically unapologetically you nice <laughs> it's no. <pretty> intense <laughs> dude it was well, intense what i'm saying and she's like i'm sending you some download you better write it on paper i'm like what the <laughs> f- is going on so well, yeah as people can can hear you've got quite a bit going on right i mean you've got you started the sweet ass journal which we're going to talk about you've got your company rage create and then on top of that you have an amazon store and you do all this cool stuff right so i kind of want to like just pull back real quick and just like have you always wanted to be like an entrepreneur doing all these things or like or did that just kind of like happen <laughs> i was definitely like most of us nomadi entrepreneur types and, and even those who are co- contemplating or listening to podcasts and wanting to get into it because i've been in all these positions i was definitely the one that was making myself sick because just thinking about the lifestyle that I had to the extent of like going overboard. I mean, I would take any type of drug, like just, I wasn't blowing down lines of Coke every day or anything, but like I would do lots of different experimental drugs, but mainly I was drinking an ass load, like a a whole lot to the point where it was like a fifth a day. And And was this back when you were in Tennessee? Yeah. And it was because I had, you know, I got, I worked myself through, I had a $13 an hour factory job out of college because the economy crashed in 2008. So I like moved to Kentucky and working in this factory making sewage 
like they were basically concrete sewage structures that went underground that nobody would even ever see. So just imagine like you're making these things and you, nobody even sees them because they go underground and then your shit runs through them. So it's like, how could you be more? I was just, you know, what did you I was study depressed there. Construction management. Okay. Gotcha. Because <laughs> I wanted to be a geology major and they dropped the, the major and then I, I had to switch. Anyways, um, things can change is what I'm trying to get at. I, I ended up working in that industry for 10 years and like I, I worked my way up and I eventually had a job where I was working kind of from home. I did outside sales, but I worked for a company that was like an hour away from where I lived. And, and I had all these accounts in the construction industry, but I was basically going around and working at other people's plants at that point. So all my customers had concrete plants and I would go work with them. And I had a boss who was amazing and he gave me a lot of freedom. But even in that, dude, I was like, I just cannot work for somebody. I can't mm. work for a company. Like it was miserable to me. And it it's not something that you can tolerate if you're that's if you're the type of person that I am. And I would rather, you know, contract me out to deliver Jimmy John's or something where there's no stress than right. to than to handle that kind of work um environment. So was that always an entrepreneur? I, I think in blood, yes. I think all of us when we're born, we have so much gold. Um and and Life is really like the way that we go about it in society is that we get all these layers shoved onto our body that make us forget who we are and what we love. And if you go back to all those really weird things that you love doing as a kid that people might have made fun of you for or told you wasn't something that you should be doing, like those are the skill sets or the, those are the foundational pieces that are going to open you up back to find that person that you once were and mm-hmm. the one that you want to step into to to find your highest purpose or your highest calling. Because I remember sitting in Kentucky and like when I decided, of course I had a lot of like face down, pants down, blackout moments where I woke up and by one time I woke up in my garage and, and like legitimately my nose was bleeding and I, I had the strength to get up to walk to the front yard where my car was parked in the middle of the yard running. And I had no clue what had happened the past like 20 or 30 hours. And when you get to like positions like that, dude, it's like, what the fuck happened? You know, right. what, what happened? I have this four bedroom house and like five fish tanks. Who, who the fuck had, who has five fish tanks? And like, were they just fish tanks TV. or did you have like fish in them? I had fish. Okay. Were, I think that was like my therapy, <laughs> but like, you know, TV in every room, I just built a bar like in the basement. I was like, now I have beer on tap and a bunch of scotch and like TVs everywhere. Like what else could you get? So like, but you get there and like, were you and, like, trying to tell you. Were you trying to like, like you felt kind of like empty, but were you trying to like fill that with those like material possessions and trying to like show like a like like a success kind of thing? Like, is that do you think is that uh, that's where that came I was from? never I think for me, it was more like I'm just going to the only way I know how to have fun is partying because that's what mm-hmm. was engraved in me in high school and college. So I'm just going to continue to do that because it ignores everything else that I'm doing. And it wasn't really about showing off. But that part, you know, having the house and all that was more about just like that's what I thought I was supposed to do mm. because that's kind of what the Western world and, you know, I was in Tennessee, Kentucky, like that's just what you do. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's you, you're buying you're working a job that you can't stand to make money to buy shit that you don't like to impress people that you don't even care about, like at all, yeah. you know, like buying shit that you don't need to impress people you don't like or whatever. And it's just it's a very depressing thing that most of us get into because I remember 
when I first started meditating and like making a transition, it was because I decided to start doing podcasting and interviewing people all over the world. Right. And, but the first thing that really opened up my, my channel was like, I got a bicycle and I started riding it again. And I was like, this is so fun. I was like popping like wheelies over curbs and stuff. Just like, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. Why did I stop doing this? Like 12 years ago or whenever it was the last time I rode a bike. And then I was like, what else can I like do that I used to do that I love? And then I started writing again. And like that, that skill set that I had as a child where I did used to write poetry and I did used to love writing, but people were like, you can't do that for a living. Like that's ridiculous. I put all that underneath me and covered it up and did what I thought I was supposed to do. And, and when I started uncovering those things, it was really the catalyst for, wow, like this feels good. This actually feels like it's intuition. Like I want to do this without even thinking about it. I naturally want to ride. I naturally want to ride my bike because it's fun and it is exciting and experience is always going to be a much higher form of abundance than, than money. Mm. Um, and yeah, dude, it was like, that's, that's where I was. I don't think I was necessarily any different than I am today. I just forgot who I was. And many of us are just, we're kind of a, a, a species with amnesia. No, was that was that night that you mentioned where you like, you know, woke up, you know, and like your car was still in the middle of the <clears throat> excuse me, in the middle of the lawn. Like was that the like the catalyst that kind of like started like making you think like something's wrong here? It was one. So the one where my car was running was actually in 2011 and I had the very first catalyst was when I met this stranger on a plane in in 2008. I was flying for a job interview to um Houston to work on like an oil rigger in the middle of the Gulf or something oh, terrible, <laughs> dude. I you know me like it just does not fit right and like right right. And I met a guy in a plane. His name was Jared in Gaza, and he had just been extradited from by NATO from Rwanda, where he had been like in and out of Snap. prison for four months. Like they would pick him up every day and put him in prison and they couldn't legally hold him overnight. So then they'd take him back and then they'd pick him up the next morning and hold him in prison all day and then take him back because he was, fen he was fighting for gender equality. And, um, he had just like this guy, I, I didn't know much about him when he got on, but he was covered in tattoos. And he, I, I remember like, he just scared the shit out of me. Cause I was so judgmental then. Like just, that's just how I was, you know, like right. hanging out with people that were frats and all this terrible stuff. And, he sat next to me and I'm thinking when he gets on the plane, I'm like, Oh God, please don't sit next to me. This dude's scary. Like, I don't want to have to talk to him, but he sits right next to me, dude. And like that guy changed my entire life. And he's one of my best friends today and, and mentors. Like how did he change uh, it? So he sat down and like, I, I just was telling him, he kept asking me questions and I like, it's just weird to me. Like, why are you asking me personal questions? But he asked me what I was doing and where I was going. And I told him, and he was like, he asked me one question after that, that changed everything. And it was just like, well, do you love it? And I'm like, mm -hmm. what do you mean? Like nobody had ever asked me that before. Right. Like it's always about money or like status or whatever. Do right. I love it? I was, what do you like? No, of course I don't love it. That has nothing to do with it. And he was like, well, then why would you ever, why would you ever dedicate your life to that? And I just sat there for a second and was like, there's something really powerful about him. You know, and he, despite like all these tattoos and he had brands from these tribes that he lived with and like experienced to, to get their blessing, you know, out 
in Rwanda. It's right. kind of crazy where he's he's like living with tribes, drinking the bull's blood, doing all this stuff that he told me about. But at first I was like, this guy is so full of shit. I wish he would stop talking to me. And then he started telling me all these stories about like how he went out there when he was young because he was dyslexic and he felt like he wasn't he didn't belong in like the Christian uh, yeah. environment he's growing up with and. He just wanted, he felt compelled to go to Africa by intuition and he had been out there for a long time and he was, he was saving genders of the, or he was helping women that were victims of the genocide make a living and providing water and like they were making jewelry and he was bringing it back to the States, selling it at high levels to, to bring the money back and then, you know, progress their villages mm. and stuff. It was really magical stuff. And then he started showing me pictures and I was like, man, this dude isn't full of shit at all. And he felt very angel, you know, like it just felt like this weird person came into my life and and re-triggered my mind. And it's really funny because uh, just a year ago, I'm coming back on a plane from Uganda with duffel bags full of beaded jewelry that we're selling to take money back to the school that I'm working with. Um to, to to help kids who are the children of victims of the genocide. So it's like yeah, the, it's come like this circle. giant dude. It's it's nuts. And he he just changed everything for me by doing that by asking me that one question. And then he sent me a book afterwards, and it was called No More Mondays. And I found out that his dad is actually Dan Miller, who is a he has a giant podcast, one of the biggest mm-hmm. on iTunes. He's one of Dave Ramsey's good friends, and I I, I started following his dad and like really really loved his work, uh, it's in the Christian sphere, but he teaches some amazing stuff. And honestly, not to get into like religions and things like right. that, but mostly all religions are cross entangled with what they teach. If you go back yeah. to the roots. So there's some really fascinating stuff in all of them. And he, I had that book, man, for a while. And since that was 2011, when I woke up, which is a couple years after that, every time I had something like that happen, like a, just a really bad moment, I would think about Jared I always felt like there was something I needed to do to move forward in that, but I didn't know what it was yet. So I just kept trying things and, and I, I started figuring out how to like make websites on WordPress and just for fun. Like I, I liked computers right. and like computers aren't going anywhere anytime soon. If you learn skills on computers, then that is the key way to work remotely. But and it sounds like, it sounds like his name was Jared. You said Jared and Gaza. Yeah. You it, should, you should talk I'll, to I'll look him. I'll look him up, but it looks like he like, opened up like a window for you and he like almost told you like hey like there's a different way to live and that like seed you know kind of like totally got triggered you know so what was like you know what was the first thing that you did like the first like what you decided okay i don't want to live this way anymore i don't want to be you know working in this like terrible job i want to be an entrepreneur what was the first thing that you did yeah so a couple years after that when I woke up with the car, uh, I had my last rock bottom moment. So 2014, I woke up again and this, this was among other times too. Like one time I woke up in an abandoned apartment complex with no furniture in, in inside of an apartment that had zero furniture, nothing was in it. And I never remembered idea how I got there. Like I'd never been there before. Mm-hmm. So this is the craziest thing ever had all my money in my wallet and everything. I didn't feel like I'd been violated, but like, it was just nuts. But I woke up and, and I just had the last one, man. I was like, if I do not make a change now, I'm probably going to die. Right. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm going to drink myself to death. Like, I just didn't right. have, I always had hope. Like, I was always like, I always wanted to do something good. I had a big heart, but like, I just felt so helpless. I couldn't mm-hmm. do anything. You didn't have control. I, right. And I, I pulled myself into my bathtub 
And I just felt, I mean, I'll never forget the way that I felt that day. And it was the first time I think that Apple like forced the podcast app onto the phone. It was the first time I saw it. It was like the purple P icon. Yeah. I don't even think it, I don't even think it's the same icon anymore. But I clicked on it, like wondering what it was. And then like, it was the first time I saw podcasts and I was like, what are these? And so, and then I just saw this interview that popped up on the home screen and it was an entrepreneur on fire episode, of course, with a woman named Amber Vilhauer. And her name at the time was Amber Ludwig. And I listened to it and like her story was so close. Like she just was, she had this most, the most amazing thing like about her. And, and she was talking about like just growing up depressed and not understanding and having bad relationships. And then like starting this, just learning how to do WordPress and then starting to do websites for people and then building out this company called No Guts, No Glory Enterprises. But she, she felt so warming and then she offered her help out at the end. She was like, if anybody ever needs anything, like, let me know. And I was like, I don't know why, because I'm extremely introverted, but I felt like I needed to contact her. So I sent her a Facebook message and she replied immediately. And it blew my mind. I was like, wait, like, I don't know what would have happened had she not replied. It took me everything I had just to hit send. Uh, and I have the message saved somewhere, but she replied and was like, Hey, will you, I just want to call you. Like, can you have time to talk this week? I'll just call you for like 30 minutes. And like the, the, the nicest thing in the world in this, where I'm, I'm in this bubble thinking that everybody, nobody wants to help anybody. And like the world's terrible place. And if you travel anywhere, it's awful. And like, if you do anything outside of the bubble, then you're going to get shitted on. It's, it was the first time I realized like with her, with Jared and then her, I'm like, these people, there's people that are actually really nice out there that want to help. And she was like, listen, you, you just, I can tell that you're smart and like you have big ideas and that's where it starts. And like, it doesn't have to be the big picture problem solving. It has to happen in steps. And she's like baby steps and you need a morning routine. Mm -hmm. So I want to introduce you to a guy named Hal Elrod, which is the, yeah. you know, the miracle morning. Yeah. International bestseller of the miracle morning. And she's like, you need to put a morning routine in place. This is a quick book. You need to do this first. And then I'm going to introduce you to a guy named Paul Kemp who runs a, a big podcast called the app guy podcast. Cause at that time I told her I was interested in, in apps and Paul ended up mentoring me into starting my first podcast, which was the artsy now show out of the grace of his heart. He's just like, I want right. to help you like here, here's how I have systems set up. Here's how VAs do this and that. This is what a VA is. This is what they can do. Showed me this whole thing that was like blowing my mind. So I'm like, Oh my, this guy works from home and like, he has right. VAs and they like do stuff for him that he doesn't want to do and he does stuff that he loves. Like this sounds amazing. And then Dude. and then I put the morning routine in and I stopped drinking and it was like that was the that was the beginning. Dude, it's so crazy how like one one email or one message can like totally like I remember when I I mean, you know, Jason Moore, like our, you know, common friend who's uh the host of um the Zero to Travel podcast. But I remember I was listening to this podcast like a year and a half ago maybe, and he mentioned something about like wanting to like go sailing, you know, and like sleep on a boat. And I was like, Oh, like I've done that. So like I, I shot him an email and he like read it onto the podcast and that triggered everything. I mean, I don't know if I would have joined Location Indie, which is the membership group that we're both a part of. That's all about like entrepreneurship and travel and stuff like that. Like, I don't know if I would have joined that if I didn't get to chat with Jason, you know, and like everything that's happened since then. So it's crazy how like, you know, I feel like people are so like afraid that nobody cares that they think they're like, <laughs> if you send that email or that message, you're gonna be like, oh, like, who is this guy? Like, you know, but no, like, like reach out, you know, because you don't know the kind of relationships or like what that could launch. It's crazy. So you started. It only this podcast. takes one, one person. Oh, for sure. To make one decision, to send one email, to reply to one message, to change everything, and it happens 
over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Because when you follow your bliss, there's there's a few things that happen. And a couple of them are like doors open for you that wouldn't open for anybody else and doors right. open where there weren't doors before. And you start surrounding yourself with with people that are in alignment with your higher vibration. And like it's just it's it's magical how opportunities keep opening and opening. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. But you so OK, because I know, you know, for the people out there that maybe don't know this, like we've known each other now for like what? Like have we known each other for like a year now? Maybe less. At least Whatever. At least two lifetimes. Oh yeah, in the past lifetimes, but no. So we've known we've each known each other bit. more than a year, I think. Yeah, but I, know. I know that you. I kind of know what you've done. Um, so how did the Artsy Now podcast that you did? How did that eventually roll into the Amazon, like your first entry into Amazon FBA? Yeah. So I, when I talked to, him, I, I ended up interviewing maybe like 15 or 16 episodes into the artsy now show, which had already changed everything for me because mm-hmm. all these amazing people were telling me <clears throat> the secrets to how they stay successful. Right. And it, and I was kind of interviewing people based on their personal habits. Cause I was like, what do I need to do personally in combination with this amazing miracle morning that I'm doing now that will allow me to build a personal foundation for freedom that I can then build a business off of? Because I think mm-hmm. so many of us want to think that you just go straight into the business, but you cannot build sustain or do anything with the business until you have your own personal internal shit together because the business in the beginning is resting on you you know right dude it's and it's like there's no point even if you have a successful business and your own shit isn't together what's the point there isn't one like you're still miserable so then there's no reason to even have it so i wanted to interview people on that and and like 15 or 16 episodes in i interviewed jacqueline duplessis who ended up becoming my first coach it may have been it might have been more in episodes in than that but uh, she changed everything for me because she started implementing a lot of these different habits into my life that were parts that became the sweet ass journal. Didn't know I was making the journal at the time, but as I interviewed these people around the world that were doing these amazing things or whatever, I was taking all of the, the, the common habits that they had because they were all saying the same stuff over and over again. And that shit's, it's no secret. Like it's out there and this stuff really works, you know, affirming things and morning routines and vision boards, like this stuff really, really works. And I wanted to try it. And so I was taking all these things and I was putting them into systems. And at one point I had like six little tiny journals out there that I was like using. I was like, oh, these are my wins for the day. And this is what I'm going to do tomorrow. And this is my vision and my focus and whatever. And so that changed everything. Every single person I talked to, it was like a little bit of a catalyst. And eventually it got to Jason Moore, who helped guide me through several really hard decisions Cause I started, I tried to start a podcasting company thing called podcast pal. I started a website company called Lexington web solutions, um, where I was doing just trying to figure out ways that I can make money from my own computer. Right. And I, I scored a- like the idea was to, the idea was to edit podcasts and like make websites for the companies. Yeah. I had like a peer to peer website thing that I would put a lot of money into that I was pulling from my day job. And like, it was, it was going to be a marketplace for podcasters to exchange services. Still wasn't a bad idea, mm. but I just, it, it didn't feel intuitively right after a while, which is what Jason Moore helped me figure it out. Um, he was like, you know, if you flip a coin and I had two options, right? And it's like, if you flip a coin, mm-hmm. you know which side you want it to land on. Just imagine flipping the coin. Which one is it? And I was like, fuck, all this time that I've mm-hmm. been putting into this podcasting mm-hmm. business, I got to shut it down. Because I really was doing right. a lot of trading my time for money. And I don't think it's the smartest thing that you can do if you want to create like a scalable passive system that allows you to have true freedom. 
um, unless you really know how to delegate those tasks eventually. So I met him and like changed everything. Jacqueline changed everything from a perspective. But then I got to a guy named Jason Berwick, who is now the co-founder of Rage Create. And it was like this. Which is your company. Right. This now. is the new the newest company I have. My first one's called Fist Pumps LLC. But he he was like he had quit his job. He was like in the bonds industry, like high high stress job, like managing lots of money for people and hated it. And like he had just he couldn't take it anymore. And he just he exited like just like I'm out of here. Like I cannot work for people. I cannot have this stress. And it's just, just like us. Kind of a similar story to you. Yeah, it was. And so like I bonded with him pretty quickly and we had like all these weird things going on. But the way that I met him was funny because like we both had these Twitter autobots set up to like reply. Like mine was for my podcast and his was for some <laughs> whatever shit he was doing at the time. And they talked to each other and I started laughing about it and was like, that's so ridiculous. And so I like, sent him a message that was like, I don't know, like my bot's better than your bot or something. And he ended up being only one state over because he was in North Carolina. He was in Asheville and I was in Knoxville where I was from Knoxville, but I was living in Kentucky. And um, I got to know him pretty well. And then he came on the show and like he he was like, yeah, I've been selling stuff on eBay and like I'm getting into Amazon a little bit. And like I remembered, oh, one of these things I did as a kid again was I used to go to all these garage sales and I would buy Mm. shit and then resell it on eBay and make money. <laughs> Who would have right. known? Like, this is the craziest thing. Like, I remember, like, as a kid, my main source of income was doing that, was selling things online at, like, 12 years old. 11 years right. old. My parents didn't even know I was doing it. I had, like, a PayPal account. And I, uh, it clicked, and I was like, oh, this really actually lights me up. Like, I remember doing this. For some reason, it's engraved. And I was like, this is kind of interesting to me. And and he was like, listen, I, I think I figured out a way to automate like reselling things on Amazon. Um, but I don't know exactly how to like remove us physically yet. Cause like you have to go to these stores and you have to scan stuff on shelves and then bring them home and package them and send them to Amazon. And I'm like, well, that sounds better than my job right now. So I'll try it out. And then maybe we'll advance this a little bit to get it to where we don't have to actually touch products. So like I did that for a little bit. I remember going with my ex-girlfriend to like these stores We'd be like scanning cheese graters and shit. And like, dude, after like a month of doing that, like, yeah, I, I got some stuff to Amazon and it, and it resold. So like this was this would be called retail arbitrage, which is still a, a great no, method yeah. for making money remotely. But um, so can you explain that real quick, like exactly how that works for people that might not have heard of it before? Yeah, that's that's what I'm going to do. So like the okay. basic the basic version of retail arbitrage is 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 the idea that you you find stuff at a store like Target or Walmart. And most people don't understand that Amazon is actually the the um, the metrics behind how Amazon works. Most products on Amazon are actually more expensive than if you were to find those in a store somewhere. But because the marketplace is so popular and it's so easy, we all just consider that it's the cheapest because it's the biggest and most powerful. But Amazon's not the only seller. If Amazon is selling something themselves, a lot of times it's the cheapest price. But mostly you're buying from a third-party seller, and they have to be buying those goods from somewhere cheaper. And if it's not right. a major direct company like Under Armour or something like that, you're, they're probably marking it up from what they bought it because that's how they make money. Just like any third world, I mean, any third third market, right? Like there's this is how it works: right. supply and demand. So you take advantage of that margin as a seller. So I'm buying stuff that are like, you know, $6 a pot for these cheese graters at like Bed Bath & Beyond. 
selling, sending them into Amazon and they're selling for like $30. And then after the fees and stuff, you're making like seven or $8 a pop off of them. And I'm like, this is amazing. Like I'm making money. This is like, this is, I remember doing this as a little kid. Like, this is awesome. But after like a month of that, I remember like looking at, at Lindsay in a store and she's like, this is fucking miserable. What? I'm not coming to this with you anymore. <laughs> this is this is worse than your job. Right. And I was like, actually, this is definitely worse than my job. Like hanging out in Walmart. So you weren't you weren't buying those things on on discounts? Because like I've done that before where I'd go to like Target or whatever and I'd buy it whenever something was on sale and then I'd sell it for, you know, not the sale. At all. Were you just buying them full price? The discounts help, but no, there's a lot of stuff that you can even buy at full price, especially mm-hmm. with Target that like Paw Patrol shit. There's it's it can go. There's so many different avenues with with how this can work, right. but it's really about treasure hunting and finding the right products at whatever mm-hmm. price you can get them at the cheapest, and then and then flipping them. And but I I was like, this is when Jason Moore came in crucial because I I just like I was so excited. I'd shut down the podcasting a little. Where I, I was still trying to manage that at the time. Uh, the RT Now show. This is like spring or your. Oh, uh, the business thing that I had started. This is like spring 2014, February, March 2014 when I'm doing this. And eventually I got so like, I was like, dude, I just like, I'm trading, I'm spending all my time in these stories. And I went back to Jason Berwick and I was like, I like the idea, man. And I think we can come up with a better model for this, but like, I'm done. Like, I don't, I just, this is taking everything out of me. I I don't want to pack boxes anymore. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem scalable, like there's got to be a better way. And I was like, we well, just got to figure this out. And, and I was like, let's just think about it. And he was like, I'm going to keep doing it. And, and like, I'll, you know, if I ever come up with, if I figure out a better method, I'll let you know. And so like, I stopped doing it for like four months, five months. And then in the, the, the fall, I'm sitting in this hotel room in Chattanooga, Tennessee, pounding stone IPAs depressed. Cause I've been working in concrete for the whole like week or whatever, waiting to get to the weekend, dealing with these, these people that I was editing their shows for them, podcasts to try to make money. And it was just like burnout on that burnout on everything. Nothing I had been investing in was making money. I just felt like I hadn't gone anywhere. And Jason, Jason Moore calls and he's like, Hey man, I just, I don't know, man, I was thinking about you. And like, you know, he's in like, I don't, he, how Norway? I don't know if he was in Norway at that point, but I, I know he was with her, so he might have been. Oh, okay. But he was like, I just, yeah, I thought I needed to call you, man. Like, what's going on? You got something that you were like thinking about, or like, and that that's part of living in flow, like we were talking about before the call. Like that stuff happens, and I'm like, mm-hmm. actually, dude, yeah, like this is the problem. Like, and I was telling him, like, I'm not in alignment with this business. I really want to move forward, and. I don't know what to do. I have this job. I'm like, my boss is getting ready to retire and I'm supposed to take over for him. It's the most stressful thing in the whole world. I just, I can't mm-hmm. take it anymore. And right at that moment, I'm on the phone with them and, and I get a message from Jason Berwick, like on my computer. And he's like, Hey, remember when you were talking about if I ever figured out how to do this without actually having to do anything physically, if you were, he's like, I think I figured it out. And I'm like, Oh snap. And I'm like, Whoa, this is too weird. I got these two Jasons and like, he's calling me and I'm like, okay, well that changes this conversation a little bit. And I was like, I don't know, man, I had this other opportunity that I kind of feel like I should go all in with. And like, it's going to take a lot of money and investment cause you have to buy products. Right. But 
I feel mm-hmm. much more excited about it and like, but I don't know because I have these clients with this other one and it could totally be huge. And I had this one guy tell me that it's a product that he would invest in if it was done. And and he was like, man, you just got to flip a coin. Like he's like, just flip the coin and think about both sides and how it feels in your life and like what it would be like to actually live that lifestyle. And then flip the coin, like which one are you leaning towards? And it was like very clear to me that I wanted to do the go with the Amazon stuff in the resale. Cause I saw the scalability mm. potential, right. even though I hadn't really talked much to Jason about like the new system at that point. But right then he helped me decide to like to burn everything else and put one energy into this and just go for it, take the risk. And like I, one of the things I say in part of the domination deck is like, uh, you are your own lottery ticket, right? Like if you invest in yourself and take some risks, you can live the life of your dreams. You don't have to be buying lottery tickets in Eastern Kentucky, mm. dominating buckets of fried chicken with your hands down your pants, waiting for that big old lottery payout, man. When I get this shit, it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm going to buy so many cars and houses. No, it's really just about investing in yourself. And that's what I had. That's what I did. And at that moment, yeah, I, I went hard into Amazon uh, arbitrage again. And this time it's called online arbitrage. So the way that that works is it's very simple. Don't know why I didn't think about that in you know February when I was doing it before. But you just don't go to the store and buy products. You buy them online <laughs> from websites. Yeah. And with that, it opens up all the opportunity to, to use all these cool softwares where you can scan full websites that spit out spreadsheets that will match all of the products on that website with products on Amazon. So you can look at the profit margin potential right in the spreadsheet and go directly to the ones that have the opportunities. Um, and then it just came down to like, well, how do you, where do you send the goods? Like if I guess I'm still going to have to ship them to my house, label them, get them packaged right to send to Amazon. But that's just a process. Like don't think about the big picture mm-hmm. too much when you start, cause you'll figure those things out along the way. Otherwise you'll cripple yourself and scare yourself from doing it. So yeah, I sent stuff to my house for a little bit, but then eventually we found manufacturing plant or we found warehouses that would receive our items for 75 cents a piece and they'd package them and label them for us and ship them to Amazon. And like, that's a slight bit of margin off your profit. Totally worth it. Cause you're not doing anything anymore. And then I'm like, okay, well if, if we could find stuff online, how do I delegate that out? So then we started getting the softwares that we were using and Jason and I started working together to hire some VAs. And these are things that I learned from Paul, the, mm. the you know, the guy that taught me podcasting, like bringing all these amazing virtual assistants that speak amazing English in the Philippines. They're highly educated. They're super smart oh, yeah. for a fraction of the price for us. They're getting paid more than like their, their doctoral techs out there for the, the exchange rate. So it's like win, win. And, and they're, they're scraping these websites for us and they're building spreadsheets of product information. And then at that point, all I'm doing is buying the products and sending them to the Houses, mm-hmm. who is then packaging them and sending them to Amazon, Amazon selling them out through their listings and then paying me back out. So then I'm like, okay, the only thing I'm doing now is I'm, I'm making the purchases myself, which is still taking a few hours a day. How do I delegate that out? So then I, I actually brought on my sister because it's kind of more of a high profile task um, to, to go through these lists every day and understand what it really means with the metrics to make a good purchase. And eventually, dude, it was like from August when I started August 2000. Uh, this might've been a whole year later. So if we were in February, August, 2015, I officially started that business and 
the new Amazon, the new Amazon the online, online arbitrage. Okay. And at that point, I set a date of six twenty two one six. That's when I wanted to leave my job, and I was going to do nothing. But so that's what is that June? June two thousand sixteen. June twenty second. Okay. And so that gave me roughly a year, right? It gave me yeah eleven months. And and what was the goal? It was to to create a business that was sustainable enough for me to leave my job. And at that point, that meant really scaling up sales on Amazon. And I had questioned, like, if I could get to $30,000 a month in sales, I would be covering all the expenses. Because, like, you, that's a big number, but you're buying a lot of inventory with that money, too. So, like, it's not like you're making $30,000 a month. Right. But right. I would be making enough to replace my salary. And that's what I needed, my living expenses. And I was very, very one energy on this. I think this is really important to tell people because we all want to have so many different projects, which is also a great way mm -hmm. to protect yourself once you get one that works really well. But trying to start all of them at once is not great. And so yeah. I, I was writing down my my number of goals every day. I figured out exactly how much inventory I needed to buy, sell a certain amount every day, and I broke it down to the day. So I, I was like, okay, this is August, this is September, this is October. By December, I want to try to sell $20,000 in one month. How do I get there? And so I did the math. I sat down and I did the math, and I wrote, I printed out a sheet for every month, and I put them on my wall, and every month had each day, and every day had a buy amount of inventory. If I buy this amount of inventory, if I find this many good leads per day, then naturally it's going to make me this amount of sales. And that amount of sales is going to add up to my goal eventually. And it happened flawlessly, dude. It was like when you break down metrics, it's really powerful. So by December, I did $28,000 in sales and it opened up everything for me. I was like, oh my God, this is insane. Like I didn't have a lot of overhead at the time. I make money mm -hmm. and like it feels good after so many years of failing to make money and investing and investing and not having anything happen, which is just something that we go through as entrepreneurs. Right. It's like a learning process. Yeah. And then at 622.16, man, I had sold my house. I sold everything that I had. I moved across the country um, to Washington. And I was very minimal. I had very little things. I had a business that was operating. I left my job. It was the greatest feeling of accomplishment that anybody could ever ask for. And by December 2016, I had my first six-figure month, which was insane to me. Wow. And that put me it punched me through, right? It gave me the the cushion that I needed to like really feel comfortable with money and not have a lot of risk. Cause I, I put, I, I put a really heavy investment. I did some really stupid things that I'm glad I did. I wouldn't recommend to other people. I risked, I put like $70,000 on credit cards to buy inventory, not knowing, but really believing that it would work. And it did. Uh, that's not advice that anybody should ever do, but it felt right for mm -hmm. me. And I felt like it was going to work. And then, yeah, man, it was like, I felt like I had really accomplished something, but then something really cool happened that wasn't cool at the time, but I got complacent. I was like, I got, you know, ego came in a little bit and I was like, wow, look at this six figure months, business, do whatever I want all the time. And I stopped paying close attention and just by a string of really, honestly, it wasn't great luck either. Um, I woke up on like April 13th, 2017 and Amazon had froze my account. And it didn't come back oh, for no. 30 days. I lost every bit of money that I had made. And I had to start laying off employees. And I was bleeding overhead money. to. I had like this great cushion, even though I had paid a big tax bill that year. All of it was gone. I went back into debt heavy. And that same morning when I got the message from 
uh, Amazon that said the account was frozen. My my dog died and my grandfather died. So I just remember sitting there, never feeling more depleted and like just I, it was awful, man. It was the worst feeling I've ever had, ever. And I, I didn't know what to do. Like I couldn't contact anybody. I, like hired some consultant for like sixteen hundred dollars to try to tell me how to get Amazon unlocked. It was a month before I ever got that thing unlocked. And at that point, it was just depleted. Like I couldn't, I couldn't, it was like I'd have to go through an entire, another entire year to get back to even 75% of what mm-hmm. I had done because everything required that giant investment to get over a certain amount of sales hump to be able to support all the overhead and systems that I had put in place. And now all of a sudden I wasn't making enough money to support the system. So I'm just losing money every month. And I had to restructure. Everything. So what caused that? What? What caused the Amazon account to get locked out? Amazon had some really big issues with their seller support. And I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too long, but they, I had, it was the simplest thing. I had a credit card on an account for billing. It expired because it expired. They flagged my account as fraud. They didn't have the system in place to be able to get to my case and to understand that. And I literally had to pay a consultant to contact the vice president of Amazon directly through an email as soon as that happened, a month later, his assistant messaged me immediately and restored my account. But I lost everything, and you can't do anything about yeah. it. And But the learning, the point of this is I learned so much, and I wouldn't go back and change that for anything because I realized that the business I made wasn't really my business. It was Amazon's business, their marketplace. It was dependent on them. And if I was going to do anything to move forward in the future, I was going to make something that was mine. That was my brand that nobody else mm. could could touch. And to be honest, reselling sports and outdoor gear wasn't really doing anything to help the world. Maybe it was providing some nice gear for people to go outside and do cool things. But I wanted to change. Like I wanted to help people do what I did and change their mindset because it was really important to me that I had gotten out of that ridiculous, just toxic lifestyle and, and created this nice freedom, abundant type of place, this magical, happy life. And and I wanted to, to move more into that. So I was like, you know, I want to write. I want to do things that are bigger. And how do I build this out to really like make a brand now? How do I make my own brand and come back with that? It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a whole nother couple of years of investing without having any return. But in the end, it's what I need. It's like what I want. Like, this is my dream. It's time to do that. And it's not going to be something that Amazon owns. It's not going to be something that anybody else owns. So that's where the sweet ass brand line came out of. And that's right when I released April was that month I was just talking about awful in May. I put Mm -hmm. out the sweet ass journal. So I went to the library, which is awesome. I wrote it like within two weeks, I ate a bunch of weed and went to the Whitman college library in Walla Walla, Washington. (laughs) And I created the journal and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to sell a book online. I knew nothing about it. I did it. And it was funny because like I walked. Can you explain? Yeah. Can you explain what the journal is? Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay. Um, quickly though, t- because I decided to do that, it was like I walked down to my basement where I had all these like different journals, which were all the different habits that I had learned from all those people that I interviewed with the Artsy Now show. And at this time, mm-hmm. I had stopped doing the podcast to focus on Amazon, One Energy, and uh. I had all these journals on the ground where I was meditating in this like cold basement and all these worms would come through the windows. It was super creepy and like I didn't feel right down in that basement at all. But my dog, like 
Arlonius Balonius Maximus Armstrong, three-legged black lab. Just that's the dog's name. Oh yeah, he's absolute maniac. He, uh, you know, he's like cancer survivor. We had his leg chopped off. He's just, just complete stoic oh, maniac. He never went to the bathroom in the house, but for some reason that morning he went down the steps into this basement and he pissed all over those journals and nothing else. And I went down there to use them and I was like, oh. Well, I can't use these anymore. <laughs> and like my coach had just told me that I should put that into a system to give to other people. She's like, look, if you want to help people, like you got to do something to help them. Like, and I'm like, nobody's going to want this. Nobody's going to want these things. And she's like, she's like, I think you'd be really, really surprised. And because so many people relate to my story because we work in these industries we don't like. And it's like I'm, I'm pretty upfront about that experience. So I did it. I went and I put this thing together and essentially – this sweet ass journal to develop your happiness muscle in 100 days is what it's called. I took all of the things that I'd learned and there's a wide variety of topics here, but the, the, the overall idea is Honoré Corder, who's one of my favorite people ever. Uh, she's the author of probably 40 books. <laughs> um, and I love her methods. She taught me how to follow visions over a 100 day period because with 100 days, you can track it 1% at a time, which changes everything. Because if you're on day 60 and you've only done 30 of the days, you know you're only 30% of the 100 days and you can only max out at 70% if you do the next 40 in a row. But if you can create this habit, like the goal isn't to do all 100 days. It's just to be around that 60 to 80 range. Because if you can do it 60 to 80% of the time, like that's a habit. Don't do it 21 days. Mm -hmm. That shit doesn't actually work. I don't know where the psychology behind that comes. Doing something yeah. for 21 days is not going to be a habit. It takes years to really make a habit that sticks with you forever. But 100 days is the is the the perfect bridge to make those years begin, like to where you actually will start to implement this hardcore. And so, I I wanted to make a journal where people could could walk themselves through this process. So the journal takes you in the beginning. You just come up with like two or three goals. It could be business or personal or mixed that you want to accomplish over 100 days. You're going to have your core values of like what you want to become in life. But these 100 day goals are going to be like, what's something that is in alignment with your core values that is kind of the next step. And you don't need to make it too big. It doesn't have to be too big. Uh, I want to write the rough draft of a 70,000 page book. It could be something like that. And over 100 days, that just means breaking it down to 700 words a day, basically, right? Which isn't that much. So that could be an example and you write these into the journal and then the idea is you have a morning and an evening section. And so the morning section, you're doing all these, these things around gratitude. So what makes you happy? And it's a mosaic layout so that if you're an artist, you can draw. If you want to write one big word, you can. Yeah, I love that. If you want to pack in a bunch of small words, you can. It, it makes it not overwhelming. It's not worksheet style like where you have lines and you feel like you need to fill out all these lines. Mm -hmm. But the first version was and then I looked at it and was like, this is – ah. So we changed it and the mosaic's great because it changes changes the whole feel of the journal. But you go through gratitude and then you also – you just – you set two – it's two freedom actions every day to move towards your 100-day vision because the most important thing for me when I made my transition was I had a pack of note cards and every day I would write my goal on the back. Like I am location independent 62216, which was my date that I wanted to be location independent by. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, I would write the two things I was going to do that day to move towards that. For me, it was based very much on Amazon and this business, um, but personal habits before that were much more important. Like I wake up and I write this amount or whatever, and that is a part of the journal. So like you just do two things per day. So you write them in your morning 
And then you, there's other really thing things that contribute towards happiness, like gift giving, which is, I think, the most powerful part of the whole journal, perhaps the hardest. But once you start doing mm-hmm. it, it's the most magical. And that's just the idea of giving gifts every single day and then journaling about what how it makes you feel. And it doesn't have to be monetary or physical gifts. You learn how to do all sorts of other things, gifts to yourself, um, gifts of distraction free, like just sending somebody a nice email or holding a door open for somebody. Like there's so many different things you can do that are little gifts that will affect your happiness levels. And then it walks you through uh, eliminating distractions that are keeping you from your vision. Because when we have less stuff, we have less, less distractions. And when we have less distractions, we have more awareness. We have more awareness. We can really focus on the things in life that matter the most, like forming stronger relationships or coming in alignment mm-hmm. with our higher self. And when we focus on those relationships that are really, really awesome and, and this ability for us to become our higher selves and the things that we always wanted in our life that we imagined that felt impossible, they're not impossible anymore. They're actually very, very, very actual. Like they, they, they will become part of your life if you focus on them. So eliminating distractions is a huge thing. And that's like physical stuff, like just being more minimal in everything that you own, having some sort of value. And then also like removing toxic people in your life, summing down your social media. Like I took an entire year off social media to focus because it was necessary. And then at night you, you kind of reflect on all these things. So you do some, you're logging your wins for the day, which is a really good section as well. Uh, you're, you're making an abundance list of all the things that you have an abundance of to, to wrap your mind around that. And then you're setting your actions for the next day. You do a little bit of meditating and reflecting on the things that you did in the morning. And the whole process together is just all these little things that I, that I learned from other people. But that is the foundation you need personally to get in place before you can build the business on top of it. And it's Mm -hmm. fascinating, man. I just, I printed out these messages that people had sent me from around the world the other day since that released. And there's hundreds of them. And I put them all into a, a collage and I put them on my wall and, Oh, nice. And it's like, I forgot, I forgot how magical this is. So if you're ever doubting that something that you have in your head is, isn't good enough, like I was, it's amazing how magical the thoughts that you have are and that you really need to share them with the world. And like Mitko and I, we need you on the freedom team. Like we really do. It's people that are doing what they love. Well, if you're interested in that, you know, if if that journal sounds like something that you like, I'm going to link it in the show notes, but it's awesome. I use it. Tons of people that we know that are super successful use it just because like you said, it's it, it like, the way that I think of things is like you can't win a year, you know, and like we're coming up. I don't know exactly when this podcast is going to go out, but we're about to come up to the new year and everybody sets resolutions when the new year comes. But you can't win a year if you're not winning those days. You know, if you don't win each day, you're not going to win the whole year. So like having a journal like, you know, the sweet ass journal gives you a way to kind of like almost like make sure that you're doing the right things during the day and make sure that you're kind of like moving forward, which is like why I think it's awesome. Um, but so I want to, you know, before we run out of time, I really want to chat about, you know, we've talked about your Amazon business and I want to learn a lot. I want to learn more about where you are now and how that business works, because I think it's crazy how many like, like, I, I think we we're talking, we we're in Denver together for the LA conference. You have something like six VAs right now or something, um, which is crazy. So I want to hear a little bit about that, but tell me more about Rage Create and, um, you know, where that is right now. Cause that's your current company. Yeah. So rage create was what was birthed out of that really dark moment in April of 2017, 
where Jason came into town who, you know, he, his business never Jason went down. Berwick? Jason Berwick. And he was in Portland and we were sitting at this, we had an idea a couple months earlier to make an affirmation card deck. Uh, it was one of my, because I, I, I use affirmations a lot and I have a lot of the decks that are available out there, but they're all very woo woo. And it's hard to, because I want to teach people, especially a lot of people that are around the area that I'm from, it's just, it's a lot of very closed minded stuff. I want to teach people the value of just making the right decision uh, and how in every single moment, if you really make the right decision, you don't have to do it. You know, we, we all have mistakes. We all fall off. And I mean, last night I dominated an entire Domino's pizza. Like that is an awful idea. Last time I did that was in Denver. And I think I was with you and I was so <laughs> sick. And I, it was like the worst. I don't know why. I don't, I don't know why I do it to myself. But we do that stuff. But in a world where – That was a – Yeah. Yeah. I paid for that for days. But in a world where <laughs> – the we're we're constantly attacked by things that knock us off of our focus in just a couple seconds. There are very rarely things that put us back onto our focus because you have to spend a lot of time to read a book. You have to spend a lot of time to listen to a two hour podcast. You have to spend a lot of time to watch a webinar and we don't have a lot of time. It's so fast paced. So I, I used affirmation cards because they were like, Oh, this is a quick reminder of how magical life is and, and how powerful I actually am. But the, it was just like, you know, it's not all rainbows and butterflies like most of the card decks out there say. So I was, you know, I'm very unfiltered the way that I talk and I drop a lot of profanity most of the time. It's pretty early right now, so I've been pretty tame. But uh, <laughs> if you look at any of my work, you'll see it. If you listen to my podcast, you'll feel it like it's it's pretty out there. And I wanted to make a deck of cards that was R-rated, the world's first R-rated affirmation cards, because I have this, Do you market it that way? No, but I'm going to remarket it that way. It's one thing I learned That's the awesome. last couple of days. I was using the word unfiltered, and it's not clear, right? So, And our launch was great. Well, we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, I wanted to make this 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 deck because like, when I'm talking to people in Kentucky and Tennessee that I want to help, that maybe have mm – -hmm. like I can kind of tell when I'm around somebody if they got it in them. Like, you know, like they think that they don't, but I can, I can pretty much tell within the first couple minutes – and I think everybody has it in them in a way, if you're willing, like you have to want to change, but to be like, Hey, you should use these affirmation cards. And then like, you know, it's going to change your mind. They'll be like, you know, the world is so beautiful and I'm happy and free. It's like, that's going to do nothing for them because they don't have that channel open to believe that that's actually true. So how do I get that open profanity, dry humor jokes? So I was like, I want to use my gift as a writer in the channel that I have, thankfully to the source, whatever comes through me, it's, I'm so thankful to have it, it to, to use, to create R rated affirmations. They're not all R rated, but on the front of each card is an affirmation. And on the back is, is a giant burst of motivation, which basically is just a rant of it's something that's usually funny. And then it's followed by deep thinking. So like there's some, there's kind of a joke that opens people up and they're like, Oh, that's really funny. It might be about pee or poop or something ridiculous. But it, it makes them laugh and pay attention. And then all of a sudden it hits them with something that makes them think very deeply about this subject. And mm. otherwise, without the humor, they would have never thought deeply about it. And I found yeah. a really a, a hard mission this because this is what worked for me when I started discovering some of the authors out there that do this type of thing. That's what helped me relate. And so I wanted to do that for other people. And then I was like, well, 
how do we do this for people with short attention spans? Because everybody has short attention span. I want to make these things for, you know, just helping somebody reverse their mindset in just a couple seconds. What's better than making a deck of cards? Because you can scatter them everywhere. You can hide them everywhere. You can hand them out to people. And it only takes a couple seconds and somebody's mind has changed for the day. And maybe they'll go on to encourage somebody else who then responds to somebody on Facebook and encourages them to start a business, you know, like who knows, like somebody could have inspired Amber that day that she responded to me very quickly. It could have mm-hmm. complimented her or something. And that could be why she, she responded to me. It's a giant web of energy. How do I contribute to this web to make it the most effective throughout the world? So the domination deck or the sweet ass domination deck is what came out of that, which was the first product in this little company rage create that I started with Jason. But essentially we're, creating products that turn ordinary household items and motivation or self-help items into uh, quick bursts of inspiration to remind you of how magical you are and really help you lead the best fucking life ever. And there's a lot of comedy and dry humor. And so the deck is the first Do you product. have a card? Do you have like a, one close to you that you can read yeah, out to yeah, us? Yeah. You want me to intuitively draw one? All right. All right go for yeah, it. Yeah, let's see. This is going to be for you, Miko. Oh, thank you. Oh, these are crazy, dude. Look, you guys can't see this, but these are actually the the first proto. I don't even know where these came from. I haven't seen those. In- oh, they uh, have a back. So, you know, what Heath is showing that doesn't have a back on them. That's yeah. crazy. So I have one of these, and uh, they're awesome. I love them. Like you said, like giving them out to people is like really like a like a really great gift. You know? Yeah. Okay. So I got ah, that one doesn't have a back either. What the hell? This is not so intuitive anymore. You know, it's like what, is, <laughs> what has the back? I just need to get my. Well, hold on. We're going to get one. All right. We got one with the back. So this one is, when life gives me lemons, I paint them in gold is the affirmation. And then the back is, the universe will always test your temper. It's the natural order of things. We've all had those days where a bird drops a fresh squeezer on our heads. For every positive, there is a negative. You can either allow these sour dips to cripple you or you can laugh like a raging lunatic, take note of the lesson, and use the experiences as its motivation to dominate moving forward. Be patient. Be kind. Be that weird, freakishly happy maniac in the coffee shop. When life gives you lemons, paint those fuckers in gold and feed them to the world. Yeah. So nice. I love, you know, I, I think what you said is like really true about like, you know, you want to help those people, but they're not like really ready to like listen, so to say. And like, what I feel like you're doing is like you're meeting them where they're at and helping right. them kind Bridge. of start thinking exactly kind of like trying to like open up the window for them the same way that you had the window open for you, you know, yes. that at the air, you know, in the airplane. Exactly. So that's really cool. So how did you launch the company and where is it now? We launched it on Kickstarter in June. I went to the Philippines with our team. So if we're going to talk about how this is laid out, which was your last company or your last Mm -hmm. question that we never even got into (laughs) because I went on a rant. But so we, Jason and I both have a string of VAs that we were using for our online arbitrage businesses. Okay. And our goal is to move. So you still have the Amazon business though. Yeah. Right. I do. It doesn't make money, but it makes enough for me to pay for my living and and cover all the overhead, but it doesn't profit right now. And I still have that as an anchor and I use money to, to Jason and I both use money from our businesses to fund into rage create to start it up. But we have about, um, one, 
so between the two of us, we, I mean, we have probably have 10 VAs at this point. Wow. Uh, but our two main ones that we had that run the admin on both of our Amazon accounts, we kind of put them in charge of, of all the other people that come, that came in after them. So like Mm -hmm. we like to move people up and then teach them what we do and then they can manage more and get out of the little tasks that we taught them originally. So now we have this kind of web, like this hierarchy. And I was looking at this the other day because I was putting information together for this business coach that I just hired. Dude, we have the coolest thing happening. Like with Asana and like crews that are like all over the Philippines and Indonesia and then even some in the United States that are helping us. We have two here. It's beautiful. Like all of this work that we've put in over the, <laughs> it feels like so much. Like I have, it's, it's like we have the research in place. We have the graphic team in place. We have the developers in place. We have the funnel and the product, the yeah. website's up. And like, it's all that stuff that you work through thinking how miserable it is. I've gotten to the point now where it's time to play and to drive traffic and to make sales and to help people. And that is a really cool place to be. So they, uh, we're pulling them into rage create. And essentially the way that it's set up is Jason and I, Jason really controls most of the systems, even though I'm a systems junkie too. But my role has in this has been more of like writing and coming up with the products and doing outbound marketing, the creative yeah, podcasts or or connecting with the right people and in networking. And I get to do the fun stuff. And, um, And, and coming up with new product ideas and kind of uh, monitoring the creative direction. But like I have a very weird writing style and we've done a really good job of teaching our VAs kind of how to emulate that into our Instagrams and, and other things. So like they're making memes and comics that I'm not even I'm not even involved with. But you could look at them and be like, oh, you might think that I did it. So that's really cool. Right. And our graphics team is insane. If you guys, if you go to RageCreate.com, we're starting to put the memes on the website too, or the Instagram, which is just at RageCreate. You can check some of these out. But um, we have the team in place to do that. Our mission is to not do any text blogs. We want to do all comic strips that teach a lesson. It's like oh, that's cool. The battle of Skid the Unisquid, who is our mascot and like kind of the savior against the gremlins. And so there's like procrastination gremlins, anxiety gremlins. Uh, fear gremlins and they're all going to have like kind of their own names. There's going to be gremlin bosses. There's one comic up already. That's awesome. Um, and what's the link on that? We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. If you go to so rage.com and then just click the memes and comics tab. It'll take you to the first comic. And like, I, I could have gone through that comic and like tailored it up to make it a little bit more funny or more deep. But it, I haven't done it yet, but we're going to really dial that in soon. But like, this is, I want people to see what you can do with a team. Like when you remove yeah. yourself, that website got created by somebody on our team. Every graphic was created by somebody on our team. All I did was write. All Jason did was architect systems. And together, I, I do a lot of managing with the team and like and creative direction on what our marketing is and like how we're going to get into mass distribution of stores. And so like these VAs are there and like we have some that do research. It's like, hey, I need you to scrape every single store in this city and put all the information in the spreadsheet. And then another VA takes it and contacts all of them through email and gives them the sample line sheets for the wholesale and stuff like that. It's like all it's it's all about systems, man. And that's how you outstretch your web like farther than than any other way. Like you can't do it all yourself. And right. Yeah. So we went. So how did personally. you you so you have all these VAs, but and you know they're really high quality VAs, which is why they're able to do such great work. How do you 
make sure that you're getting that you're hiring only high quality VAs? Like, do you have like a process that you go through in terms of like, oh, this person doesn't match that we're not gonna we're not gonna hire them? Um, my first, so when I first hired my very first VA, my criteria was how good of English does she speak or he, and I I put mm-hmm. I put a, a application on Upwork, which I don't use Upwork anymore. I don't use to pay them or anything because they just rip you so many fees. Um, transfer wise for anybody out there that wants to pay VAs without problems, it's great. But Upwork, I put out an application. It was just a questionnaire. And in the middle of the questionnaire, I put a weird hidden question like, make sure you put big fluffy bunghole in the subject so I know that you read all this. And that immediately cut mm. out like 50% of the people because they didn't do that. So then I got down right. to it. And when I when I interviewed them, I, I intuitively felt out like just based on applications, the two or three that I really thought might be the best. But I was looking for somebody young that was just out of college or in college. I mean, I don't think college is that important, but there are some really brilliant people that have no jobs in the Philippines that have great college educations. And I had that option because they showed up on the application. So I was like, huh. So that spoke really good English. And then my approach is actually not to find people that already have skills. I want people that don't necessarily have any skills that I could teach to mold into Mm. want them to have so that they're not already set in some other way so that's how it started do you do a video call with them before i did a video interview i actually hired the girl who missed her interview because i just intuitively felt like she was the right one and it was the right decision eventually but Mm. um i jason did the same thing he had hired somebody with that had some marketing experience and he's a total thug and he's he's the best and he 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 oversaw jason's amazon business and then Alyssa, who i work with oversaw mine. But then as we brought in people to do product sourcing, we started having them teach the sourcing to the other people. So like we could remove ourselves even from the teaching process. And then the people that are doing sourcing, and eventually we've moved them out of that. And they're now doing stuff for Rage Create Marketing. And they've trained other VAs to take over the sourcing. So when we look for criteria, I mean, for me, it's really like how good of English do you speak? Because it's really important if you're marketing to an English crowd, unless you're a developer or a graphics person, really, it doesn't matter that much. But in the Philippines and Indonesia, they all speak really, really well. Most of the ones that are savvy enough to get on the computer and find a job on the internet, they speak English really well. And we've had, you know, flake through some really sketchy ones that we've had to fire and some that just didn't work out that we had to let go. But we've kept the, the ones that we originally hired and it's almost been, you know, three, three, four, four years for Jan, three years for Alyssa and everybody that has come underneath them has been, it works really great to say, do you have any friends that you think would fill this position? Because you have a trust between Get people that have been with you. Right. And they know mm-hmm. what you're looking for as far as work caliber. They're not going to disappoint you. And so that has been a great way for us to pull people on. We've had brothers and sisters come onto the team. Um, or somebody that they met through like a group socially that they think, you know, maybe is a mom that had a baby and needs to stay at home and make money, come onto the team. And it's fascinating. And then like they all have their own like points of view. So it's really cool because when you're doing something, mm-hmm. you ask them what their thoughts are and they all have different points of view. And it's like this is what having an actual team feels like when you can – get in a sauna and I can just like put out this Evernote document of the five different ways I want to start marketing the deck and then tag people. And then it goes to Jan and Alyssa and then they're, they're delegating it out to the other people underneath them. And it's like, it's just amazing. It's like what we all dream to have in place, but it all started with just 
one tiny step. Go to Bed Bath and Beyond and scan this cheese grater. Send it to Amazon. <laughs> it's just really great it's to crazy. think about, you know. How long has it been since like that day to now? How many years? The cheese grater stuff was in February. It was in the the early winter and spring of 2014. So, I mean, we're talking about here like four what, years, like four, five years. Yeah, but I didn't actually start the online arbitrage business again until August 2015. So between no, but that's when you, but that's when you started your entrepreneurship training. You know what I mean? Actually, like was, I like after I, that was 2015, not 2014. 2014 was when Amber that, contacted yeah. me and I started interviewing people. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and it's still such a short, a short amount of time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like what you've like been able to life. do and yeah. Because like people say it's time wild. flies when you have fun. I I highly disagree with that nowadays. Um, I, hmm. I, I really believe that time slows down drastically when you're really aware and having fun and living with purpose because actually, I, yeah. does it, does it seems right. Right. Cause like I look back at, yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked in construction. I don't remember anything because nothing was important. And I look back, we talk about this, like I've only been away from my job for two and a half years. I was thinking about this last night. It is insane to me all the countries that I've been to and all the projects that I've created and like companies and the Kickstarter that we launched for rage create and like this brand that I have now. And like all of that has happened in two and a half years with a lot of mm. work and mindset work before that. But dude, that feels like my entire life. When I look back on my, yeah. all I remember are those things. I don't remember anything before I remember my childhood and then I remember those things and those things play over my head very slowly and it's because they all had intent. They all had purpose. I was aware. I was having deep, authentic conversations with people that challenged me, that helped me move into my higher self. And it's just a whole nother, it's a whole nother level, man. Dude, you might be, you might be right. Because now that I'm thinking about this, I mean, for people that don't know my story, I dropped out of college in 2014. So and I started working as a lifeguard. <laughs> and Yes. That was my that yeah, was my I thing. Killed I killed you in your lifeguard I, outfit. Oh man, it was it was good. I'll send you some pics. <laughs> but I mean, I used to work. You know, I used to get up at four in the morning to go to work, and I'd work until like one or two p.m. And then I'd come home and I would like work on online stuff. And it wasn't until 2017 that I started making enough money online to like quit that job. So that was three years, and that flew by. And then I mean. I've been doing this stuff for like now, like less than two years. And that's wild to think about like, dude, isn't it? How much <laughs> has happened in two years. That's crazy. Cause everything that you yeah, think about like it's is been like all a that stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think time that's flies crazy. when you're having fun. I mean, I think in the moment, like the key to that is just really experiencing relationships, really experiencing mm. like experience in itself. Just like being in that culture when you're traveling and paying attention to the, the culture and like the people around you, because it's the best form of education, but then also really paying attention to, to yourself and what you're feeling like conscious eating, dude, that's changed everything for me recently. Like when I eat now, turn everything off, you sit with your food and every bite just like savor mm -hmm. it, close your eyes and feel the texture that it's a whole nother type of meditation that I moved into, but it's oh yeah, beautiful. You think about like all the processes that went into making that food and getting it prepared and like transportation, all the people that were involved in the farms and like, it's just, you get to enjoy it. It's, yeah. yeah. It's, it, it actually 
radically um, increases your happiness too. Well, dude, I've had you here for like an hour and a half now. We've been recording, so you know I don't want to take any more time out of your day. But thank you so much for coming on and you know sharing your wisdom. And you've had such a crazy life with so many lessons that I'm sure are going to be super useful to people listening. Um, if people want to find out more about you, where where can they go? Yeah, I was going to tell you. If anybody wants to check out samples of these cards, you can. Our graphics girl is the best, and she made wallpaper packs for desktop and mobile phones, and they're oh, kick ass. And so there's a lane. If you go to uh, ragecreate.com forward slash, uh, hold on, sample pack, you can download 10. Is it one word or with a dash? No, one word. You can download 10 <clears throat> wallpapers front and back. So like they'll have the front of each card in the back and they're all different space theme, which is really cool. Like comets and like stars and stuff so they look really nice and it also gives you 10 um sample cards in a meme format for like social media or whatever and so you can read through like 10 of these cards and see if you like them there you're there's no doubt that you're gonna love them i promise you that they're gonna make you laugh i very rarely have anybody that it doesn't just like be like wow this is amazing because every single one of those cards came from an experience that I had. The one that we just read about lemons, a bird actually shit on my head before I re- before I wrote that card. I was laying on my deck in Kentucky, and this was so like a lot of these these stories come from like just little mindful passages that I wrote in the past. And I remember laying on my deck meditating, just like I had the worst day, and I was like. I was out there in the sun. I was laying on my back and there's a tree, like a big tree in my backyard. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm just meditating. I have my eyes closed. And then I just felt like this right on my head. <laughs> and I like opened my eyes and I'm like, oh, and there's just bird shit all over my forehead. And like I could have freaked out and I could have lost it. But that is when I just started to learn about the power of reacting. And I did it, man. I, I started laughing like a deranged lunatic. Like it was like <laughs> just like freaking out. And people probably thought I was insane, but I was like, yes. And like I went inside and wrote about it. And like that actually the idea turned into a card. So every one of them has something like that. So you'll, you will, you'll get into these and you'll, you'll love them. And, um, it's fun. And if you guys want the, the journal, I think if you go to heatharmstrong.com and go to the resources section, you can download the audio guide for free, which these are podcast listeners. So you can get me actually reading through, what the journal is and all there's like 70 pages. That's a guide before the actual journaling starts. So it's the audio version of that. And then, mm. yeah. So. Well, man, you can't blame that bird. Cause you're a pretty big target. <laughs> um, so, you know, <laughs> Heath is like, what are you like? Six, four, something like that. I have six, four. This, this girl that I'm dating now, she always tells me that I'm like a giraffe. I don't know if it's a compliment. <laughs> six, four, half ginger. Take it as a compliment, man pale as fuck <laughs> <laughs> well dude and the pants i, I have can sit here and shoot phenomenal. the shit with you what and the pants i have on today are phenomenal so oh <laughs> uh, I, I i'm gonna have to post that screenshot that i took now when we when when i published this podcast uh, yeah heath is wearing some uh, very fancy pants right now so head over to the show notes and uh you guys can see those but dude i can sit here and shoot the shit with you all day but i know that yeah, you've got man. some stuff to do thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it um yeah all the best man can i say one thing in closing to people about mindset absolutely i know it's just pushing it out but um this is something that's really important and i think it's it's something that i've drilled into with rage create and just mindset but 
it's it's the idea that it's we all think that life is kind of about reacting to what happens to us um, in a way that we're letting what actually happens to us cause our reaction instead of reacting ourselves. And I really think that life isn't about what happens to you. It's not about the beauty that happens to you and it's not about the bullshit that happens to you. Life is about how you choose to react when it happens. You mm. choose to react. So if you can find the silver lining in the situation and use it as motivation to move closer towards your higher self, it's going to be a lot better than letting the stress and fear and resistance gremlins do a disco dance in your brain until you wake up face down, pants down under the bushes with a bottle of empty hooch, you know? So just strive out there to make decisions in every moment to move towards your visions and your goals and your dreams. And the faster you're going to bring those things to life because you attract who you are and you affirm the life that you live. And if you allow your experiences to motivate you instead of cripple you, you're going to spend a lot more time at the top of your happiness throne and a lot less time at the bottom of a, um, uh, a couch, you know, couch Netflix rabbit hole watching Jerry Springer and slaying a bucket of fried chicken with your hand down, hands down your pants. Nobody, nobody wants to see that shit, man. It doesn't change the world. So just remember, you cannot become your highest self or achieve your highest sense of purpose by being who you've always been or doing what you've always done. So make those decisions and just move forward and be that beautiful, sexy, brilliant person that you can be that is inside of you. Find those weird things that you did as a child. Bring them back into your life. Go ride your bike. Start painting. Start using crayons in your bathtub. Start writing again. Those are the things that are going to connect you with the person that you were born to be. So do it. And yeah, thanks for letting me say that. Oh, yeah, man. That was powerful. Good way to end, man. Thanks so much. I appreciate it, buddy.